Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. My guest today is lead analyst Logan Motoshami to talk about mortgage rates and whether the high rates we're seeing right now will create a recession. First, here's a word from our sponsor. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HousingWire with Melinda Wilner, Chief Operating Officer at UWM. Melinda, what types of products and enhancements has UWM rolled out this year to help set brokers up for success? It's been a big year for us of rolling out product updates and some enhancements to our tools. Um, Our whole goal always is to make the broker succeed in whatever cycle is around. So we uh, we do everything we can to focus on the broker experience and really importantly focus on the borrower experience. So a few of the things we've done this year, um, Safe Check Complete uh, has been a a recent rollout for us. Our 1% down program has been an absolute hit to really help in that affordable space and to help people get into homes who couldn't otherwise do so. Uh, We've had some great product expansions with our uh, bank statement program as well as our jumbo program to allow more flexibility and uh, to fit more borrowers into there. So it's really been a great year. We've done a lot of great things that we're really happy about, really proud of. A lot of robust products and listeners, you can find out more at uwm.com. Logan, welcome back to the podcast. It is wonderful to be here, Sarah. We are actually in Alabama speaking to the Alabama Association of Realtors in about an hour. So, uh, of course, nothing is ever boring with housing or economics lately, and the 10-year yield has gone wild once again this week. Oh my gosh. So that is what I want to talk to you about and talking about higher rates and also are these higher rates going to bring us to a recession? That's really what I'd like to ask you about. So bring us up to speed on where rates have been this this week. So as I'm talking right now, the 10-year yield is at 4.91%. It is uh, uh, breaking all levels in that, that I'm looking for right now. And of course, what happened yesterday is you know, bond yields tend to trend higher overnight. And then with retail sales beating expectations, industrial productions actually uh, positive. Housing starts were uh, uh, positive today on a month-to-month basis. The economy is outperforming. And um, we talked about this, Sarah, last year about, you know, how do you get to 8% mortgage rates? Number one, the spreads have to be bad. And number two, the uh, economy has to outperform. And we're sitting here today with uh, whatever people think about the Atlanta Fed GDP, um, it's running at 5%. Uh, retail sales not only beat expectations, we had some positive revisions there. Jobs data, positive revisions and beat. So economic growth is pushing 10-year yields higher with where inflation is at. It's actually not that uh, totally off keel. I think what we have right now today is that Real yields, like we've talked about for many months, are actually very restrictive right now. Uh, uh, if you actually you have to go back to like 1983 uh, to have uh, real yields be this restrictive, talking about where where inflation is, where rates are right now, whether it's the Fed funds rate or the 10-year yield. And if the growth rate of inflation keeps falling, the Fed's now in a bind. Because one of the things that do happen when real yields get very restrictive is the recession isn't that far off. 
Now, we haven't had to deal with this uh, before because we've never had this kind of restrictive policy with the growth rate of inflation falling. But now it's a legit thing. So where does higher rates impact? It impacts housing. Now, home sales have already collapsed. By the time this podcast is 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 out, uh, existing home sales will come out. We're most likely going to break under 4 million. Again, 4 million is a key level in the sense that we rarely go uh, below that after 1996. Um, but when we talk about the economy, it's really housing starts, construction jobs, um, single family permits are still uh, uh, intact in terms of its uh, r- rising from a low bar. But the builder's confidence is starting to fade and rates this high makes it a little bit harder for them to pay down rates to move product. And w- when we talk about new new home sales rising year over year, remember, we have a very low bar and mortgage rates are for them is, is lower than the existing home sales market. If the existing home sales market had the benefits of sub 6% rates, then we're talking about higher sales. But if the builders start to fade, which traditionally is the case, you know, with real yields being high, you know, uh, uh, in the last few cycles, then housing starts and permits get to fall. And right now, um, deficit spending has kept some of the manufacturing construction going, but uh, next year, that's uh, the same velocity is probably not going to be the case. So this becomes another uh, recessionary indicator. But as of right now, because of this quarter, things are doing very good. And that's part of the reasons why the 10-year yield keeps on going up because the Fed said after the Fed meeting, they were very hawkish in the forward guidance. So the bond market is acting accordingly with that. Um, and we've documented and talked about a lot. There's a lot of Fed presidents trying to talk the bond market down because before the 10-year yield really took off this last time, they were talking about even cutting rates next year. <laughs> And the forward guidance kind of didn't give that. And I think that was probably uh, if, if they if they talked about cutting rates, if the growth rate of inflation and their forward guidance was aggressive, the bond market took the uh, uh, other other uh, trade on that and are driving yields higher. So this is the predicament that we are in right now. And we have to think forward, not current, because current, the, the data is still uh, uh, good. So that uh, 10-year yield level is above where you said, hey, this is where I'm looking at. And I think it was 4.87 was was the level, the new level that you said, this is what we have to be concerned about. And it's above that. It, right now, we, I mean, if we close above 4.87%, we could, there's, we could still sell up higher. Now, the bond market, of course, is oversold. Um, a, a lot of, even a lot of the bearish people that I know are kind of, somewhat puzzled because if you're really bearish on the economy, bond yields should be going down. And historically, after the the Fed uh, last Fed rate hike, you would traditionally see bond yields rally. The thing is that the economic data has been surprising people to the upside. So uh, you can make a case, maybe this is the last big hurrah, but until that changes, bond yields are in a sense acting accordingly to what uh, uh, the data has told us. Now, let's say if retail sales missed badly, industrial production went negative, housing starts and permits, you know, single-family permits are falling, everything. In that sense, uh, uh, bond yields would have, but that's not the case for this current moment. And the difference now is 
like we said a few weeks ago, itchy fingers. It's it's the move among the, whom who has itchy the fingers? bond traders. Itchy, things move a lot faster now than they were earlier. So we're getting some really big moves, wild moves, and traditionally that usually happens either at a top or bottom. But but if you take the take this week's economic data and considering how itchy fingers everything was right now, boy, it it you you can make a case for that. So I think there's. There's confusion by the Fed. There's a confusion about the recession. People, there's there's like usually this doesn't happen. You know, bond yields usually go down. Um, it's frustrating for housing purchase application data uh, this morning, twenty eight year low. Um, but one of the things I saw recently, because you know for a while there, the Fed said housing's recovering, and we're like looking at the purchase application data chart, like uh, no, it's not, and. Uh, uh, Barkin from uh, the, the Fed, you talked about. Well, it does look like the market is closed off to first-time home buyers, you know, with rates this high. So, I think there's going to be a little bit of change of tone. Um, they're slow, but I think they're catching along. And I think it's just it's just going to be so fascinating because where real yields are at right now, how this economic discussion is going to go, because. Really, this is uh, the, the history around this is very restrictive, and uh, usually the recession is not that far off here. We haven't had to deal with this up until just this year, and I think that's the pushback. Maybe some Fed because the Fed, if, if the Fed truly wants a soft landing, whatever that means for anyone, um, this is probably not what they wanted to see. But it's the reality of the world we are in right now, especially after this week. Okay, so tie this into mortgage rates, right? Most of the people listening, they, they're they very interested in bond yields, but they're more interested in mortgage rates because this is what affects their daily life. So, Sarah, if you're interested in mortgage rates, you got to be interested in the bond market. <laughs> okay, no, that's what we have you for. You yeah. are interested in the bond market for us so that uh, we can be interested so, in mortgage uh, rates. So, I mean, pr- pricing, I haven't seen it, but it, it, it should be. It should be um, near 8% or most likely it is uh, 8% plus for other people. So again, um, very aggressive move, very aggressive move since the last Fed meeting. And uh, I actually, uh, in a sense, almost applaud bond traders because they were given a green light and the economic data backed it up. Um, again, if we, if we had weaker retail sales, weaker industrial production, the housing permits weren't weren't good, but the starts came up. We have that kind of, then I think these things would have been different, but uh, this is a very, very chaotic time. And I think the Fed has tried to talk things back, but again, talk is cheap, right? Talk is cheap. They can change this if they want to. I just do not believe that's their intention. As as somebody who's stuck to the Fed's not going to pivot stage, uh, um, because the labor market, if you're tying into the labor market, jobless claims is near 200,000. So uh, you have to almost not take the Fed on its word until you see some kind of a more coherent or stronger action. But uh, I've, I've made this entire year around jobless claims data and jobless claims data is near 200,000. It's nowhere close to, to 323,000 for the Fed pivot. So I'm just, I'm, I'm sticking to my own, my own beliefs, but the Fed is kind of looking a little wishy-washy right now. Uh, so they're going to have to either make a stronger statement 
or just let this ride and just say, okay, we lied to everybody. We don't want a soft landing. We want a recession because that's the 1970 models have told us this. This is the only way to defeat is to get a recession. And we'll we'll see how it goes. But um, the data has been strong this quarter. And uh, until that changes, the economic backdrop is not letting yields come down on its own. Now, last year at this time, we talked about, you know, what was the case for lower rates last year? Well, Japan had to intervene. London was going to lose its pension funds. The dollar was too strong. All hell was breaking loose. The banking crisis, these things, the bond market forecasted, well, the Fed's going to pivot because the economy is weak. Those things are not here right now. Um, when something breaks, bond yields will go down. We saw this, you know, even with short-term rates, but now it's, it, it hasn't been the case and yields have risen up. So it, it becomes another variable into the recessionary factor. But I caution everyone, until jobless claims break, check your priors and realize that there is no job loss recession until jobless claims break. That's how it's worked post-World War II. That's how it's worked since the Peloponnesian War. You can't make up your own rules for your own uh, views out there. You have to follow the data, and the data still has not done that. And continuing claims are going to have its seasonal rise, so we, and, and, and we, we just need to keep the focus on the four-week moving average of jobless claims. This is Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at Housing Wire, with Ryan Marshall, CEO and founder of Equity Protect, to talk about a very specific and growing kind of fraud risk. Ryan, who is really at risk of deed fraud? So that's a great question. I think we should first state that the people who are not at risk are people that just recently acquired their properties, people that have loans on their properties, often high loan amounts, high loan to values on their properties. Um, Those are people who I would consider as very low risk and people that should probably not consider our service as a service. So as of November of 2022, we've identified 83 million parcels across the nation, which is roughly 54% of the total parcels in the entire country who we've deemed as vulnerable. Uh, These parcels are specifically ones that don't have mortgages, parcels where they're non-owner occupied, properties where the mailing address isn't associated with the site address. Um, and they're in some type of vacation area or vacation property area where lawful homeowners wouldn't necessarily know if an appraiser showed up or if somebody just drove by your property and, and did a quick appraisal on it. Thanks, Ryan. Listeners, you can find out more information at equityprotect.com. So from your perspective, it doesn't matter what the other factors are until the jobless claim uh, until the jobless claims number is that number. The Fed is not going to change. Everybody else might say, "Hey, this is what's going on," but that's the key number for them. Well, he, this is just my view. Um, I created that three hundred twenty three k four week moving average number because where <clears throat> jobless uh, job openings are, where the labor force is. Uh, because the boomers are leaving and we have to replace them, the dynamics of the unemployment rate are going to be much different. So this is just me, but we, we have a second, we have a second variable going into 2024. The fed has already told us they want to cut rates next year, or at least they told us before the hawkish stance. And now the hawkish stance is really only one rate cut as bond yields go up higher under their own model. They would actually have to cut more. So we're going to have to watch the next Fed meeting, 
the Fed dots and everything, there should be a divergence now. If there isn't a divergence, then they lie to us again, right? And uh, they're going to have to have a coherent, coherent message or, or they do what I thought they would. They're frustrated that there is no job loss recession. They're frustrated that the labor market is still tight. Uh, they're, most of them are in their elder years, and they realize that Paul Volcker became a legend because he put the economy into a recession. This is a terrible way to actually look at Fed policy. You have a dual mandate, but I'm just going with what I perceive them to be using the 1970s model. So as of right now, that next Fed meeting is really key because we have one huge variable changes. Real yields are higher. Bond yields are higher. This, in theory, would tell them they would have to cut rates faster because that's why they're trying to backtrack on the bond market right now. So uh, it gets it gets it gets a, it gets a lot interesting. And again, as I've always tried to focus people, the structural balance sheets of the United States of America's consumers are much different now. I could post the same charts 10 million times for two straight years, which I have, and nobody cares to look at them. But when majority of consumer debt is fixed at a very low rate and your wages rises, what happens to long-term rates doesn't necessarily impact that consumer. Um, So uh, hopefully by now, now that we're in October of 2023, almost Halloween, we could appreciate that, you know, fixed debt cost rising wages is a really big economic uh, uh, variable. And it was always there in the data. So everybody keeps on talking, well, there's 8% mortgage rates. Homeowners don't have 8% mortgage rates. Okay. They don't. Um, when we start to see more credit stress in the data, we can capture that and move forward. But it's just, it, it, on the homeowner side, it's just different. Renters, of course, different situation, right? Especially uh, young renters. Uh, um, they're constantly hit with rising uh, uh, rental costs. But uh, here, it's just such a unique dynamic. And this is one of the things that the reason why we talk about this is because it's been so long since we've had breakaway year-over-year inflation data that people have not been used to that or what it does for housing. And all these homeowners are sitting there and going, chill. And uh, um, the interesting aspect is the new listings data, the inventory data that we got from Altos. I'm still batting uh, zero. Sarah, I am still, <laughs> I, I mean, if I can't get my number this week of active inventory growth between 11 to 17,000 with rates this high, I mean, I, I have to look and check and see. I mean, of course, I could always say it's seasonality, it's October, it doesn't matter um, in a few weeks usually. But because it takes longer to sell a home, the growth rate should be higher. But again, new listings data down week to week, negative year over year. The so-called Airbnb bust, the massive amount of Americans rushing to sell their house. This is for all you stock traders out there, for all the people on Twitter, the Airbnb bust people. I love you all, <laughs> but housing is not your thing. Okay, um, Short-term rentals go to long-term rentals, then they facilitate uh, into a possible sell to be stressed. Uh, we're not there yet. The new listings data, I, I implore everyone. I mean, I, I'm saying this from the bottom of my heart. We have the lowest bar in the history of the United States of America on new listings data. When something big happens, it will be the easiest thing 
ever to look at and see. Okay. There's no hiding it whatsoever. All right. You're all dancing with a ghost and the ghost doesn't really want to dance with you either. Okay. So that's part of the problem. Um, so we'll keep a track on new listings data. This is what we do every single week. This is why the tracker was created. And so far, we don't see the stress that everyone was told us. In 2021, the Airbnb bus. In 2023, the Airbnb bus. And if it's a bus, if it's a housing bus, people list their homes to sell. You can't sell a house if you don't list it. And it's trending at the lowest levels of history. If only we would have some people list their homes to sell. Like some of those, I sold my Airbnb a couple years ago. Somebody needs to, people need to do that, but well, there's not a bust. Well, the, the thing is that the this is the trying to teach people that active inventory can grow with higher rates, Sarah Wheeler. It can grow because of the 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 so-called mortgage rate lockdown or the handcuffs, golden <laughs> handcuffs, golden handcuffs. Um, in any case, uh, days on markets grow, things take longer to sell. That's why we could see it. Now, it's such a different dynamic this year than last year. I mean, la- last year, uh, price cut percentages were 4% higher than they were. Um, but the rules still apply. And uh, um, I've just been wrong on my uh, growth levels this year. Uh, I had anticipated we get, and, and maybe I finally, it finally takes to get near 8% to have it occur. So here's my question. Um, as you know, I think now we're all, you know, resigned or at 8%. We know that psychologically it's like, okay, if you're in this industry, you've been seeing that already, you know, that's there. My question to you is, as bonyols keep going up, is there is there a point at which those spreads get better so we don't go any higher, or do you see higher interest rates, mortgage rates coming? This 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 looks a lot like what a what a top or a bottom would look like. How wild things are, except this time we have the Federal Reserve trying to talk things down. I mean, Sarah, I can't express this enough. They can change this. They could change this. The bond market, the bond traders are just taunting them right now. You know, so um, I just fundamentally don't believe they want to. So uh, there's a part of me that says, hey, they're probably like, oh, great. We finally have real yields, very restrictive. Now we're going to get our recession. But uh, usually you get this violent kind of action uh, near a short-term top. This is what happened last year. Last year, the dynamics were different, but uh, the dollar was getting super strong. There was actually, uh, there was fear around the world that, you know, London was going to lose its entire pension. They, were, they weren't even going to open the stock market last year in London because they thought they were going to lose everything. That, that, that's a big deal. Um, the Bank of Japan is like trying to protect their currency at all costs right now. So there's some similarities, but this is a little bit different because we don't see the economic stress, right? There's no pension funds being lost right now. Um the builder survey is the data line that's getting hit the hardest right now in the last few months. It went down again this week, but we just don't have that economic stress yet. Uh, something breaks. That's the always joke. The Fed will hike rates until something breaks. And you have to remember, I don't think this gets talked about enough. Jay Powell in the last Fed meeting says, you know, something might happen that we might have no control over. And I always harp on that because that sounded like to me, eh, whatever. It's not us. You know, um, so again, I, I believe the backdrop for next year is much better than this year. Um, there's there's a lot of things that are going to come into play that will slow growth down. And we're not going to grow like this every quarter. We just don't have that kind of economy. A lot of things just kind of fell into this. But I, I, I think this is 
this quarter, a lot of things were, were, uh, were occurring. The backdrop for next year is different. Uh, but we don't have the world market stress like we did last year at this time. And it's allowed yields to go up higher. And again, we are very, we are very restrictive now on Fed policy and rates. So that historically has been very problematic for the economy. And this is why the Fed, even themselves, they said, oh my, you know what? We're really restricted now. If we, if we stay up here, we have we don't even need to hike anymore. So it is what it is. We have to deal with it. Uh, we have to take the data one, one, one thing at a time. But uh, the one benefit I still to this day for 2023, new listings data has not taken another new leg lower. That would be uh, not a healthy thing for the housing market because we're working at all-time lows. It's had a very orderly seasonal decline, and uh, um, we haven't dropped you know, uh, in a noticeable fashion. We're creating a brand new low, which would be very bad for the housing market. Well, Logan, fingers crossed that this is a new short-term top and it won't keep going higher. We will talk to you in a couple of days, so we'll know where we are there. But thank you so much for being on. It's a pleasure, Sarah. And like always with every ever economic cycle, usually the 10-year the yield does escalate higher right before the last big uh, uh, move lower into a recession. But time will tell on that. Again, keep a track on jobless claims. By the time this podcast comes out, jobless claims will be out. We just keep it. Four-week moving trend, 323,000 on the four-week moving average. The game changes then. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.